0: Well, here we are once again, inevitably and fortunately, a new year. A time of new resolutions for many of you, and a time for many of those resolutions to get broken. But let me invite you to join me in making a resolution. Uh, No, really, really more than a resolution, making a commitment, making a dangerous, risky, renewed commitment in 2022 to be more like Jesus. Now, I say it's a renewed commitment because it's really uh, just obedience to what we've already been called to be. And why do I say dangerous? Why do I say risky? Well, it involves repentance, surrender to the work of the Holy Spirit, walking as disciples in obedience to the work of the Holy Spirit, It it involves letting him conform us more and more to the likeness of Jesus. And at that, a Jesus and a discipleship not defined by us, but correctly defined by Jesus himself. Walk with me through Luke chapter 9, verses 18 through 27, Luke 9, 18 through 27, as we see Jesus defy expectations, clarify who He is, what He's about, and what it means to follow Him. Once we gain a correct understanding of Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Messiah, what it means to follow Him, then I'm going to invite you to join me in 2022 in making that dangerous and risky commitment. We find in this passage that Jesus is well into His ministry. He's gaining more and more fame. He's he's healed the sick. He's raised the dead. He's preached. He's taught. He's forgiven sins, performed miracles, cast out demons, fed the multitudes. And so we find Him here in this passage off with His disciples and praying alone. And then He asks His disciples two important questions that lead to a correct understanding of Jesus the Christ. Let's read first chapter 9, 18 through 22. Now it happened that as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him, and he asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist, but, but others say Elijah, and others that one of the prophets of old has risen. Then he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, the Christ, the Messiah of God. And he strictly charged and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. So first Jesus asked this question, Who do the crowds say that I am? Who do people say that I am? Who who, who do the multitudes say that I am? Well, Jesus has interacted with with hundreds of people by this point, and probably thousands have seen Him or heard Him or heard about Him. Uh, They've heard His teachings. They've seen His works. So consequently, I'm sure there are a lot of rumors about him, who he is, what he's up to. There are accusations directed at him and at the disciples. A lot of declarations about what he's all about, opposition to him. Well, some say he's a prophet, a good teacher, a fulfillment of prophecy, the one we've been waiting on. So Jesus just says, guys, what are you hearing about me? Who do people say that I am? Well, some say you're John the Baptist. Uh, uh, Some think perhaps this executed preacher has been raised from the dead. Well, Others even think you're the great prophet Elijah, or perhaps one of the other great prophets, but there's just a lot of speculation, Lord, about who you are. Well, Jesus listens to these answers, and then, then he asks the second key question, who do you say that I am? Now, these are his closest followers. Uh, They're the ones that spent the most time with him. Uh, They've seen and experienced all right now in his ministry. They'll later be assigned a great commission. What the people say is important, but what they think, what they believe, who they think he is, is even more so. They need the correct understanding of this one they're following. Well, as usual, bold, timid, impulsive, brave, and cowardly Peter jumps up first and says, well, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah of God. Peter's correct, but that doesn't mean that he and the other disciples understand the full implications of that statement. In fact, Jesus Follows up on that answer with an interesting command and then a, a key clarification. The command is, he says, tell this to no one. Yeah. The disciples do not fully understand what kind of Messiah Jesus is, much less do the people. So guys, it's not time to start talking about this yet. It's not time to start proclaiming that truth yet. But then he gives a key clarification about the nature of, of His Messiahship, unlike what the average Jewish person was expecting, a powerful military political leader, a powerful political liberator, the Son of Man, Jesus' favorite messianic title for Himself, He's saying, the Son of Man, I must suffer many things, be rejected, be killed, and on the third day be raised. That is, the Messiah is a liberator, but one who liberates the world from the grip of sin and death and the demonic through his suffering and death on the cross, all to then be gloriously affirmed by the resurrection. Jesus is saying, yes, Peter, you are correct that I am the Christ, the Messiah. But let me explain to you what that means. It means that as Messiah, this obedient son, would put disobedient Israel back in a right relationship with God. He would fulfill the promises and all the covenants of the Old Testament. He would inaugurate the kingdom of God, not through the expected military power and violence, but through obedience, self-sacrifice, suffering, and death on a cross. He would pay the price for Israel's disobedience and failure, and become, through his death, a blessing to all nations, offering forgiveness of sin, reconciliation with God, all through the power of suffering on the cross. So, who do people say that I am? Unfortunately, throughout history, people have said all kinds of things about Jesus, We have manipulated him, misconstrued him, misinterpreted him, misappropriated him for all kinds of agendas. Sometimes we've even taken a a truthful element of his person and work, but then we've made it all that he's done, and thus we twist the gospel. Nations at war have made him the battlefield commander for their respective and supposedly holy, just causes. Far-left liberation theology has made him a radical and even violent revolutionary. Far-right nationalism has made him the conquering leader of racial supremacy. In our own American popular cultural Christianity, he's been made the model CEO. Yes, there was a book. The title was Jesus as CEO. We've made him the the leader. He's all in favor, of course, of my political party. He died, according to one very well-known, now deceased pastor, preacher, who used to be on TV a lot, he died to improve our self-esteem. He's the purveyor, or to use a phrase now we're familiar with, he's the supply chain of material needs. He's the guarantor, of course, of victory on the athletic field. He's the reason for winning an entertainment award. And according to some popular sentimentality, he's my homie. He's my personal boyfriend. Well, so who do you say that I am? Well, we all come to Scriptures with with presuppositions, with prejudices, with the lenses of personal experience, If, however, we work hard at reading the Bible on its own terms, letting Jesus speak for himself, we will find that he is subversive and a dangerous person. He will destroy our manipulations and preconceptions in order to get us to see him as the one suffering Messiah who paid the price once for all time, once for all people, for all sins. Well, now Jesus goes on to make some challenging statements that give a correct understanding of discipleship. Look at uh, verses 23 and 25. And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it for what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? If anyone, you know, comes after me. Peter, See, Peter has answered correctly that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. And the disciples are going to struggle with the nature of the Messiah and his reign for quite a while. Several times in the Gospels, the disciples asked for argue for, argue about, try to maneuver for exalted positions of honor, of glory, of authority in the kingdom of Christ. They each want to be the first. Uh, They want to be the greatest. We could probably safely assume that even at this point, when, when Jesus affirmed Peter's declaration some of them are probably still thinking, okay, he's the Messiah. And that's true. Now, how, what am I going to get out of it? How can I maneuver? How can, what kind of position am I going to have? Well, Jesus, therefore, proactively cuts that idea right off at the knees. He says, if anyone would come after me. Now, some of your translations is, is if anyone wishes, desires, wants to come after me. After who? After me. The Messiah, I was just clarifying to you. Jesus is saying, boys, if you want to follow the true suffering Messiah, let me tell you what it means. It means let him deny himself. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Now, there are are two important aspects of of, of this self-denial. First, there's that foundational act of denying the possibility that being in a right relationship with God can come from anything within oneself. There is no following this Messiah without first repenting of one's sins, self-centeredness, self-effort, and then trusting in Jesus and Him alone for salvation. We must deny our selves, our efforts, our abilities, and receive Him and His work on the cross. It is to be, as the Apostle Paul says in Galatians 2.20, crucified with Christ and no longer us living, but Christ living in us. Well, second, this denying, denying self also means to follow Jesus with no personal agendas, political military or otherwise, no self-promotion, no maneuvering for greatness. Instead, it means lining up with his definition of the Messiah, which is suffering, rejection, him paying the penalty for all sins, all before glorious resurrection. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself Take up his cross daily. Foremost, this means that in following Jesus, there's an ongoing, regular, daily crucifixion of self, willingly and joyfully sharing in the sufferings of Christ. Jesus explains to his disciples that just as this suffering Messiah is going to take up his cross, so the follower of Jesus initially is crucified with him, but then daily takes up his cross, ready to suffer with and for Christ. Now, this does not mean, as sometimes you hear, and it's popularly said, and maybe you heard Grandma say it at one point, well, we all have our cross to bear. That's not, that doesn't have anything to do with the daily difficulties and burdens that we all face. This means bearing the cross of suffering for Christ. And His sake, His glory. Well, secondly, there's the application here to daily Christian life. That is, it also means that we are to be willing to daily, as the Apostle Paul also says, to put to death the old man, the old self, all the deeds of the flesh. It means that we're to daily not to walk in the flesh, but walk in the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit, allowing the Holy Spirit to do His work and to produce fruit in us. So, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. To follow this Messiah Jesus means making a decision, taking action. It means walking behind Him, after Him, following Him not to exalted positions of honor and glory and authority, but into opportunities of self-sacrifice, denial of personal wants and needs, all for the sake of Christ, of others, for His glory. Now, just in case Peter and the disciples don't get it, uh, Jesus draws a picture for them of this, of this paradox of Christ's likeness. If you try to save your life, you'll ultimately lose it. If you lose your life for me, you'll save it. Sure, you may gain the world and all that it has, but you'll lose yourself. You'll lose your soul. And how is that profitable? The the now famous Lutheran pastor Dietrich Bonhoeffer faced a monstrous manipulation of Jesus and his gospel by the Nazis and by the compromising church called the German Christians. He and his fellow confessing Christians stood up to the Nazis and paid the price. Uh, Bonhoeffer himself was hanged in a concentration camp just weeks before the end of World War II. And in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, Bonhoeffer notes that when Christ calls a man... He bids him come and die. Now, Bonhoeffer was simply repeating what Jesus says in these verses. To be a disciple, to be a follower of Jesus is not to have a position of greatness or to be served or to be at the head or to be recognized, always have the last word, to be right always or to tell it like it is. To be a follower of Jesus at least applied to me, and I'm preaching to myself first and foremost, is to repent of my need for recognition, my desire to have my say, my way, my obsession, to repent of my obsession to convince you that all my opinions are correct, to learn to deny my selfishness, my self-centeredness, and put the needs of others first. See, it's one thing to to speak of Bonhoeffer's martyrdom, to to point out the selfless sacrifice, uh, self-denial of great Christian heroes and martyrs. But the reality is that most of us will never need to be them. For us, for the majority of us, most of the time, the test is that take up the cross daily. That everyday slaying of the old self, the putting to death the deeds of the flesh, the setting aside of petty grievances and common complaints and whiny attitudes and overwhelming need to be first. Again, in my case, and perhaps yours taking up the cross daily, is being willing to speak for Jesus, to act like Jesus, sharing in His sufferings for the sake of the gospel. Paul again in 2 Corinthians 5.15 points out that he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Now, now of course, it's important to point out, and our pastor has pointed this out several times, self-denial, these kind of passages, does not mean acceptance of abuse or toxic relationships, and some of you may have to address that in your life. But but for most of us, I think, probably for most of us, most of the time, we need to stop being so self-centered and need to start serving. I'm always reminded of something I heard from a good friend of mine, Richard Taylor, who is on the evangelism department at the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention, a sermon I heard him say years ago, and it just hit me between the eyes and it stuck with me. He was saying, you know, we we love to talk about and preach and teach about servanthood. we, We love to talk about serving and being servants, and especially as leaders, we love to talk about servant leadership. It's all about servant leadership. Servant leadership here, servant leadership, servant leadership. We love talking and preaching about servanthood and servant leadership until someone treats us like a servant. Jesus concludes this short discourse by pointing to the critical importance of these clarifications of his messiahship and discipleship. Verses 26, 27 For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you, truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death, death until they see the kingdom of God. Uh, first, there there's some words of warning here. If anyone is ashamed of me in my words, that is... That is, if anyone is unwilling to accept my version, Jesus says, of the suffering Messiah and discipleship of denial and rejects me in my words, when I return, I'll be ashamed of them. We can't make Jesus the Messiah into what we want him to be, and we can't define what it means to follow him apart from his words. But second, with those words of warning, are also words of encouragement. This suffering Messiah will be raised on the third day and will return in glory. Implied in this verse is that many will not be ashamed of him, will not be ashamed of his words, and therefore will be praised as good and faithful servants and will spend eternity with the suffering Messiah, King of kings and Lord of lords. And thirdly, there, there is this, this difficult to interpret and sometimes rather confusing verse 27 uh, that I think has also implied words of affirmation. Uh, what's Jesus referring to here about taste, not tasting death and kingdom of God? Well, there are numerous interpretations, but most likely he's referring to what immediately follows in the text: the transfiguration. During that event of the transfiguration, Jesus is confirmed by God as the chosen one, the one who should be listened to. And and therefore, that upcoming event uh, of the transfiguration will affirm His definition of messiahship, His definition of discipleship, and foreshadow His return in glory. Well, the question I always conclude with when I'm teaching the Sunday morning Bible study with college seminary students is, well, so what? So what? What what, what does this have to do with anything? What should I do with this information? Well, I told you at the beginning that I was going to invite you to make a dangerous and risky commitment for 2022. 2022. Dangerous and risky because God will honor that commitment and go to work in your life, perhaps in ways you're not very comfortable with, ways you don't anticipate, ways that will take you way out of that comfort zone. Dangerous and risky, yes, but also fruitful because you gain life. Well, here it is. Here's the challenge. There may be one, there may be someone here who needs to take that first step step of self-denial, to deny self for salvation and recognize, uh, as as Gabriel did, I believe that's the correct name, at one point, as many of us have that, I can't do it. There is nothing within me that can make me right with God. And you need to deny those efforts and deny self and trust Christ in him alone. Uh, Perhaps there may be many of us who need to deny self or aspects of self for growth in Christ-likeness and willingness to suffer for Him, with Him. We need to learn to walk not in, we need to put to death the deeds of the flesh and walk in the Spirit and let Him transform us daily. Let the Holy Spirit work in us daily. And that can be oh so painful so that we become more like Jesus. And there may be some here who need to deny self for further service, to help others, to do for others, to do something, perhaps, to give more, perhaps, to go somewhere. Here's the question. You want to change the city? You want to change our country? You want to change the world? But it all begins with becoming more like Jesus. Let me pray. And as Jeffrey and the team sing, you respond. If somebody needs to come here and pray, talk to someone. Matt will be here. I'll be here. If you just need to deal with it right there, you deal with it. But you respond however the Holy Spirit leads as we sing. Father, thank you for your word applied in our lives exactly as it needs to be applied in my life and the life of every person here, every person listening, that 2022, we will become more like Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.